You know, sometimes when I get really excited, I want to dance and jump around. And sometimes when I get really excited, I just start to weep. And I've got to just, I've just got to share this if that's okay. Brother Ed, you are by far one of the most anointed men I know. Because, amen. I have not spoken to him one time this week about what I was going to teach on. And when I share with you what I'm going to be teaching on, you're going to say, well, how does that connect? And you're going to find out in due time. But before I came down this morning, I was actually nervous. I, I usually don't get nervous before I teach, but I just I said, Lord, and I've been teaching and preaching for 10 years, and I've never had one solid sermon on this one topic. I've taught about it a lot, shared about it a lot, but never spoken on this one thing, specifically for a whole 45 minutes or however long we're here. And then, Brother Ed, the whole message is about the blood. And about how we've been redeemed by the blood. And what it took for us to have redemption. Today's message. And when I share this with you, please don't leave. But today's message is on marriage. Today's message is what does it mean to be the bride of Christ? And do we in our marriages at home with our brides. Do those look like and reflect Christ in the church? If you're sitting here today and you're saying, David, I'm not married or uh, I'm single, I've never been married or, or I'm a widow or widower. And okay, David, how is this going to relate to me? Trust me, you will get a lot from the Lord. And here's why, because we are, as believers in Christ, part of the bride of Christ. Correct? So as I share about the bride of Christ, that is every person in this room who's a believer. Just so that you will know that. And I'm going to share my life verse in just a second. But just so you'll know that in Ephesians chapter 5, which is going to be our main text today. But in verse 24, it says, but as the church is subject to Christ, also wives ought to be to their husband. And that scripture right there, he is saying that the church, the true body of believers is the bride of Christ. And so today, as we talk about that, no matter what your relationship is, whether you're married, single you will see that a lot of this relates to every person because we are the bride of Christ. I want to share with you my life verse. I promised the Lord that I would always do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. It says, My message and preaching are not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. That my message would, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we get started. Lord, I pray right now, God, that you empty me. Lord, remove anything of myself off this stage. God, all I want to be is a vessel that is filled by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I ask that the Spirit of God will overflow into this place. And that it will just pour out on each of us, Lord, that we will look more and more like Christ. That our marriages will look more and more like Christ. And our relationships will look more and more like Christ. So that the world will see an example of Christ in the church every day. Lord, we love you and we praise you. For it's in your name. Amen. It's so interesting that Brother Fred just mentioned that uh, I turned 33 this past week. 
uh, and I did. I always said that, uh, that I would get married at 33 because that's when Jesus laid his life down. Um, for some of y'all, we'll get that in just a minute. <laughs> My wife back there, bless him. Uh, but I was married at 25, so seven years ago. Um, and so anyways, uh, you know, it, to me, birthdays are just another day. But, but for some reason, 33 hit me a little bit, a little bit harder than normal. I told Brother Fred, I said, I said, Jesus was crucified at 33. This could be an interesting year. And he said, yeah, but on the third day, he rose up. And me and Brother Fred started preaching. And I was like, okay, I should have just wrote everything down that he said. And then I would have had my message for today. Um, but if you have your scriptures, let's open up to Ephesians chapter 5. Now, just so you'll remember, I want to make sure that it's clear because I want you to hear the voice of God today. Whenever I talk about marriage, I'm talking about, uh, such as Leslie and I, I'm talking about marriage here, earthly, on this earth, husband and wife. When I talk about Christ in the church or I talk about the bride of Christ, I'm talking about the body of believers and Christ being the head. And today we're going to talk about the similarities here. When you go to a wedding, you hear the vows, the wedding vows. Most weddings that you go to, they say vows. And in those vows, it says, for better or worse, sickness or health, for richer or for poorer. And usually, whenever we say that, usually the, the, the bride and groom that are about to be pronounced as husband and wife usually laugh whenever we say richer or poor, because usually they're coming in with, with, with nothing, and, and they're just going to make life, and they're going to figure it out. And then it says, till death do us part. Many of us know this as the vows that are spoken. And this is ultimately a covenant that you are making with your bride. Husbands are making it with their bride. Their bride's making it with their husband. With the foundation of Christ. And the reason that that I say the foundation is Christ is because the vows that you are speaking, you cannot fulfill without Christ doing it through your life. Ultimately, what you're going to see here in just a second is the only way for us to fulfill those vows is for us to live a selfless life. Which means that the flesh has to be crucified in our life. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21, or verse verse 21, it says, And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. 22, wives be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. And he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, also wives ought to be to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, cleanse her by the washing of the water with the word and that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Now, as I just share with you the Western tradition of marriage, And that that is a covenant between a husband and wife. I want to share with you just briefly the biblical understanding, going back to to biblical days, how they would have approached the marriage. So what would take place in that situation is is that the husband would then negotiate with uh, the bride's dad on a price. And, and, And that seems kind of interesting, but when I was in Israel seven, ten years ago, I literally had come out of the Dead Sea and I was going into a gift shop, and a guy approached me. He said, sir, do you want to marry my daughter? And I was like, excuse me? He says, my daughter for three camels. 
three camels, you can have my daughter. And I was just sitting there like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, what is going on here? I've never met you. I just came out of the Dead Sea. That should be like a reference or something. So anyways, as he probably was just joking with me because he knew that I was quote-unquote on a Christian pilgrims, as they call it, over there. Uh, but, but, but this was the, the practice. So they would negotiate that price, and then ultimately there would be a cup. That when, when the groom drank of that cup, he was basically saying that I give you my life, that I, want, I, I marry you, I want to marry you, I want to give you my life, and I'm willing to accept the price that's been negotiated. Now for many of you, you can already see the picture of Jesus. Jesus, did he offer a price? Was there a price paid for us for marriage as the bride of Christ? Absolutely. We just sang about it over and over and over. What was the price? His life. Death on the cross. You say, David, did he take of the cup? Absolutely he did. Not only in Matthew 26, which we'll get to in just a few minutes, in, in the Last Supper when he takes and he says, this is the sign of the new covenant which I drink. Take and be a be a part of, take this, this drink. And then he says in the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he say? He says, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, then let it pass. But not my will, but your will. Jesus fulfills the requirements to be the husband to the church, to be the head of the church, to marry the bride of Christ, right? He takes that and ultimately he sacrifices his own life. He gives of his own life in order for that to take place. So this new covenant that we're going to be talking about, the bride and and Christ, when we discuss that here, what we're going to see is that this is built on a blood covenant. It's a unilateral covenant because Jesus knew that we couldn't fulfill it. Think about that for just a second. When he takes of that cup, he says, I love you, will you marry me? I give you my life. Jesus has never forsaken those who have come into the bride of Christ ever never but let me tell you something the bride of Christ has forsaken him over and over and over and he continued to say I love you come home I love you come home And so it's a unilateral covenant because he knew that we couldn't. But yet he was going to, by the blood of the Lamb, that he was going to wash away the sins that we were going to walk into. The things that would keep us apart from being the true bride of Christ. He washes away with his blood. And you know, let me just share this with you. I didn't know if I was going to go into this or not. But our our, our marriage today is built on a covenant between a husband and a wife and God. God being the foundation. And ultimately, ultimately that marriage through the, the speaking of the vows. But then later through the consummation. It is ultimately a blood covenant between you and your bride. That's the same in the Hebrew day. It's the same in the biblical day. That it is also a blood covenant between the husband and wife. And you say, David, why do you even go into that? Here's why. Because I think that it's time for us to quit teaching students no, 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 no. And young people, no, 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 no. And start teaching them why. Because it's not about just saying no to something. It's because it's a covenant relationship that you're going to enter into if you're not careful. 
But as I was just studying and as I was saying, okay, Lord, I've got seven marriages this year that I'm a part of. There's seven marriages and things that I'm going to be either either pastoring or whether I'm going to be doing premarital counseling or whether I'll be in the wedding somehow. But then the Lord just began to show me that there's a lot of marriages that are just breaking down because because the foundation, they're they're not allowing Christ to be that foundation and, and things are just breaking down. And the Lord just continued to overwhelm me this week and said, David, you are to teach on marriage. I believe that according to Ephesians chapter 5, 21 through 33, that marriage is a direct representation of Christ in the church. You say, David, why do you say that? In Ephesians chapter 5 right there, it says, Wives, just as the bride of Christ is to submit to the Lord, so too to your husband. And then right after that, it says, Husbands, just as Jesus is the head of the church or his bride, so you are to your bride, your earthly bride, your wife. And so we are to represent Christ in the church. The way that we love our wives, husbands, should show the world the love of Jesus for the body of Christ. Wives, the way that y'all support, and and ultimately, we'll get to that word. I know that it's one of those words when you hear the word submit. Ultimately, the way that, that, that that submission happens is showing how believers come under the authority of an almighty God. It's not a submission as in, oh, I, I can't do anything. I have, I'm under his rule and reign because you will see how Jesus ultimately gave of his life. But today as we go into this message, there's three things that I want you to see that I believe has a perfect correlation between the bride of Christ and our earthly marriages. Number one, communication. Some of y'all are already like, oh my goodness, communication. I saw a cartoon the other day, and I wish I would have put it up on the screens, but it was uh, two, uh, a married couple, and the guy is looking out the window, and the sun begun, begins to come up. You can barely see the sun coming up, and he looked over to his bride and said, we can go to sleep now. I'll let y'all wait for a second. The scripture says, don't go to bed angry, right? It says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And so as they were frustrated and angry, they were waiting until the sun would come up so that they could go to sleep. Everybody gets it. <laughs> Took just a second. But I think that there's two problems in communication. Number one is there's either no communication or there's broken communication. Let me give you an example. Gary Smalley shares this. Now, Gary Smalley, um, just seeing some of his marriage stuff and things, he's incredible. He was, uh, I think it was his son, was actually one of my teachers at the Canacook Institute. And he said he was setting up for a... Uh, a a conference and he was putting out chairs and this lady walks in sits on the front row and he said hey would you help me put out chairs and the lady just smiled and so he's putting out more chairs and he looks over and the lady's just sitting there doing nothing and so he walks back over and says ma'am can you please just help me put out some chairs and she smiles and he goes back he's putting out chairs and she just sits there and does nothing and the third time he comes over and he says ma'am do you not understand can you please help me and all of a sudden her friend walks in and says oh by the way she only speaks spanish But see, in that moment, he was communicating in a way that she could not comprehend or hear. And ultimately, what Gary Smalley was saying is, is that women speak differently than men, and men hear differently than women speak. And I can say it the other way around. You know, us guys, sometimes we'll be like, uh-huh, and we have no idea what, what, what was just spoken. The person who did mine and my wife's premarital counseling said it so well, and, and I'm so thankful, we have... 
a whole lot less arguments now because if I'm sitting there watching ESPN, which I don't anymore in my later years, so to say, but when I was watching ESPN and I would be so engrossed in what was taking place, my wife would say something, like, uh-huh. And so he said in our premarital counseling, for some reason he had foresight that this would happen, and he said, well, just go over and put your hand on him and say, honey, I need to share something with you and get his attention. Because my attention was like, straightforward. And I can't tell you how many times I said, sure. And I had no clue what I said, which guess what? That leads to 100% disappointment every time. You know why? Because I didn't even know what I was committing to. I mean, I think one time she, my wife probably said, hey, let's go to Hawaii. And I'm like, uh-huh. And I didn't, I didn't follow through. I say all that in, in the fact that, that we must communicate in ways that people can hear. But also the scripture says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 37, and this is for the bride of Christ, let me just speak this to you, that you might present yourself to the, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5 verse 27. It may not be up there, but y'all know it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let me just tell you one of my pet peeves. I don't know what that means, but it just means something that bothers you, I guess. I don't know where, where that slogan came up with. But anyways, when somebody speaks something, follow through with it. I remember six and a half years ago, I was asked to, to put a, video, a, a, a TV in a room for a Bible study, and I forgot the first week, and everything was okay, don't worry about it. Next week, you know, I got this, and I forgot. And the next week, I forgot. Three weeks in a row. And ultimately, it was said to me, praise God that somebody was willing to speak truth into my life, that I would then change the course of action in my life. Because they said, David, the more that you don't do something that you say you're going to do tells me that you don't really care about this Bible study. You want to talk about being broken. So let me ask you this question. Do your words, do your actions follow through with your words in communication? Here's the scary thing. If your actions don't follow through with your words that you speak, then how are people ever going to believe you when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you say, yeah, I'll do something and you don't do it, or you back out on people just because something better came up, or you don't follow through with your word, then when you go and you say, hey, i got to tell you about the most important thing in my life is Jesus. He's changed my life. And they're probably sitting there in their mind saying, well, is this just another time where you're going to speak something and have no action? So we must communicate, but we also must mean what we say. And say what we mean. Now you say, David, how does this relate to the bride of Christ? Well, the Lord tells us to get on our knees and to cry out and speak to God. All throughout scriptures. I don't even have time this morning to go through all the scripture that it talks about in prayer. But let me just show you this one. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 46, talking about the cup and the garden of Gethsemane. It says, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. In verse 37, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to, to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he, he went a little, little beyond them and he fell on his face and he prayed and said, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but your will, but how you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. He said, Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for an hour? 
And it happens again and a third time. And he says, can you not pray with me for an hour? Can you not keep watch for an hour? God calls us to get to a place where we're crying out to him. The scripture even says 24-7, how often should I be praying? But pray without ceasing. And you say, David, I can't sit in my prayer closet 24 hours a day. I understand that, but you can have a constant communication with Jesus. I'm driving down the road, I'm praying for people. I'm thinking. That's my think place. Back when gas was $4.50 a gallon, I didn't think too much. (laughs) But I thought all the time, and I pray, and I seek the Lord, and I I can open that communication. James chapter 4 says, you have not because you ask not. But then it says, and I love this, you can also have broken communication. Now, I don't have time, like I said, to go into all this, but 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, I do want you to see this one verse. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker since she is a woman, and show her honor and a fellow heir of grace, of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. You say, David, how does communication in your marriage relate to communication with the bride of Christ? We need to communicate with our, 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 our wife, our husband here on earth so that, so that our lives, so that we're living a life that we're walking together, we're running together for the kingdom of God so that when we get on our knees and cry out to our Heavenly Father, our prayers aren't hindered. So let me ask you this question. How is the communication with your bride or with your husband? Because let me just tell you something, if you don't communicate, ultimately you will communicate. But it's not going to be in a way that's of a spiritual nature, it's going to be of the flesh. When people hold things in and they don't communicate, they don't communicate, they don't communicate, and all of a sudden it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And then you have what you call the biggest fight. See, here's what Satan wants us to do. Instead of us running together for the kingdom of God, he wants to take us and argue back and forth in communication so that we can't go forward for the kingdom of God. But isn't it interesting that God allowed us to be in marriage so that we would run together for the kingdom of God? I tell young people all the time, you want to know how you know that the person's the one for you? You want to know how you know that you know? It's when you say that me with that person, we can do more for the kingdom of God together than I can apart. When me and her, my wife Leslie, and let me just tell you something, my wife is, she's incredible. And she's a prayer warrior. And when I'm up here, she doesn't like to be up on the stage. I joked with her and told her I was going to bring her up here today, and she was like, uh-uh. She don't want to be up in front of people. But she'll be back behind the scenes on her knees crying out to God. Us two running together for the kingdom of God. And when, when the evil one tries to point us against each other, we say, hold up. We're supposed to run together. Let's address this because we have victory in the name of Jesus. And we try to communicate. I always joke that me and my wife don't fight because she doesn't fight. I have to fight with myself. I have to argue with myself. How do you communicate? Does your communication with people, does your communication with your husband and wife, does it resemble the way that you cry out to God? Are you on your knees crying out to God? Are you seeking Him? 
I saw a commercial the other day, and I have to share it with you. It was for Father's Day, but I think you'll understand the point. And that was that, that fathers, that, that 13% of young men will still talk to their fathers about important information. The other 83% gets all their information from their cell phone. And so what they did was they created this, this iPad and, and they told the kids to go into a room and they could like ask the iPad anything. The iPad would give them, give them all this information and stuff. And so all of a sudden the kid was like, man, this iPad knows me way too well. Like, this is kind of crazy. Y'all did very well in programming this thing. And what was going on the whole time was that their dad was sitting in the other room speaking on a microphone and it was coming through the system. And the kids and the fathers cried. Why? Because they had lost communication. They had lost communication. Let me ask you this. On an earthly standpoint, have you lost communication with your bride or your husband? As the bride of Christ, have you lost communication with your heavenly Father? We have not because we ask not. Is it broken? Is it hindered? The second thing I want you to see here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22, it says, Wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. Wives, be subject to your husband as to the Lord. Now, now, husbands, we can't laugh or get excited about this quote because we also are to be submitted to the Lord. In verse 21, if you go back, it says, And be subject to one another in the fear of the Lord. See, our culture wants to say that submission is this bad thing. That's the reason why they don't like Christianity. Think about it. Luke chapter 14 says, count the cost. Doesn't it? It says, let's just go to Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, verse 25, it says this. Now a large crowd was gathered, going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, his wife, his children, brother, sister, yes, even his own flesh, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, if he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? It says, otherwise he will lay a foundation, he's not able to finish it, and all who observe it will begin to ridicule him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? He said, or else, while the other is still far away, he sends out a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then none of you can be my disciple if he does not give up all of his own possession. Let me just ask you this question. The reason that the idea of submission is such a negative term in our culture is because people don't want to submit to God. What does God call us in Luke 14 to give up? Everything. He tells us to count the cost. But let me just tell you something right now. To the bride of Christ and to those who don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let me just make one thing clear. The culture says that it's negative for you to lay it all down. But let me just tell you something. Ever since I've laid it all down, it's been the best journey of my life. And let me just tell you this. The cost of not laying it all down is way greater than the cost of laying your life down. Let me just say that again. The cost of not laying your life down for the kingdom of God is much greater than laying your life down. See, ultimately, people want to say, well, well, God's so mean that He requires everything from you. He's just so terrible that He would require you to give up all the pleasures of this world. 
But what God knows is, is that your life will be much better once you lay all the pleasures of this world down. So God is not doing it out of his own gain. He's doing it for you. Because he understands that when you lay everything down, your life is going to be so much greater wrapped up in the arms of Christ. The life that God gives us in him is so much greater than the life that we try on our own. And he realizes that. And so when he, what he does is he says, lay it all down and be my disciple. Will suffering come? Absolutely. But you'll have more joy than the person who has everything in the world. Will pain and trials come? Absolutely. But you will have more joy than those who have all the things that you could ever imagine. I've seen a lot, a lot of unhappy, wealthy people. Why? Because they don't know Jesus. It's as simple as that. So when we see wives submit to your own husband as to the Lord, what God is saying here is that I have put the husband in a role of leadership. I put the husband in a role of authority. And so when you submit to your husband and and you come under that authority, you are walking in obedience of Christ. And when you walk in obedience of Christ, there is massive blessing. And you say, well, David, what if my husband is disobedient? Well, there's scripture for that. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 says this. It says, In the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even as any of them are disobedient to the world, are disobedient to the world, to the word, excuse me, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wife. You know what that scripture says right there? It says that when we walk in obedience of Christ, that when a wife walks in the obedience of the Lord, that their husband in disobedience will see what it means to be a true believer. They'll see the truth of the gospel. Now you sit here and you say, David, well, what about like situations of, of, of infidelity or, or even abuse? I do not endorse staying in that at all. I'm not endorsing that. What I would tell you is, is to, to step out of that and to seek the Lord in what you're supposed to do. I'm not sitting there saying continue to be abused and and be submissive. God doesn't tell us in the scripture to sit there and continue to be abused. You need to step out of that area, get to a safe place, and you need to seek the Lord and let the Lord show you exactly what you need to do. But the Lord tells us that we are to be the, the, the wives to be submissive to their husband. And, but, but here's the thing, and it goes straight into my next point, which is number three, and that is that husbands are in a place of authority. Now, number three, where it says, husbands love your wife as Christ loves the church, you sit there, and I'm about to explain to you part two and three, point two and three come together like this, and here's why. Because when a husband truly loves his bride the way that Christ loved the church, then a wife always will want to submit to the authority of her husband. Let me explain why. How did Christ love the church? He poured out his life for her. He served her. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Y'all all know the scripture. Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 through 8. I want you to see this. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look at your own personal interests, but also the interest of others, having the attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus. What is it saying right there, husbands? 
It's saying to, to, that, that as your wife submits under that authority, that you're to love her and to put her even higher than yourself, to treat her and, and to, to love her and to care for her and to have the attitude which is in Christ, which we're about to see, which is to empty himself for his bride. It says, have the attitude which is in yourself, in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of men, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. What does it say in Ephesians chapter 5? It says in verse 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Every time I do premarital counseling, I tell the wives, yes, the scripture is very clear to submit to your husband. But then I real quickly look at the husband and I say, any wife in America would want to submit to a husband who's willing to give his life for her. That he's willing to say, hey, I'm going to lay my life down for you because I love you unconditionally. And so what we see here in verse 25 of Ephesians 5 is husbands love your wife as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself up for her. This does not just mean that you'll take a bullet for your wife. I hope you would. But I believe that this means that your life, let me just explain to you in my life. I used to love to hike, but I don't hike no more. I used to love to camp and rock climb. I don't even own the equipment anymore. I used to, when I came to Luke 418 and I was single, drove a Mustang convertible. Enough said. It's gone. I went from a Mustang convertible to a Honda Civic. And then from a Honda Civic to, to a work truck. And that's not, I'm not trying to brag on myself. That was just, I wanted to get my wife things because I loved her. And I wanted her to have a nicer vehicle. And so I was willing to step back. Why? Because I loved her with every bit of who I was. But the only reason I knew how to love my wife that way was because of what God had done in my life. Because of how Jesus loved me and I was his bride. I sit there and I think about my wedding day. Seven years and two months ago. And I sat down at the altar and I stood there waiting for my bride to come. Now we were very traditional and I didn't see my bride until she rounded the corner. I saw my bride at the same time everybody else saw my bride in her white gown. And I lost it. I absolutely lost it at the altar. Because I saw my bride coming down the aisle. And it was such a joyous and pure and just moment in my life where I said, you know what? This is what it was like when Jesus went to the cross. And as I came to a place of salvation in my life, here I was coming down the aisle to my Savior. See, that's the reason that Christ and the church is a direct, or, or our marriage is a direct relationship of Christ and the church. The way that we love our brides should show people the unconditional love of the Father. 
You know, I was sitting there thinking about all the times where, you know, you say, well, David, does that mean you get to do anything that you want to do since you've given your life to your wife? Yeah, I I, I ran an Ironman. It took me 11 months, 20 hours a week. Do you think that took time for my wife and kids? Do you think she had to change a few extra diapers than I did? Do you think she had to put the kids to sleep a few more times than I did? Do you think they got hungry and ornery a few extra times when I was out running or biking? Absolutely. But you want to know what? I went to my bride and I said, listen, I love you and I want you to pray and seek the Lord. And I'm going to ask, hey, I want to, I feel like God's called me to run this Ironman, but are you on the same page? And because of the time that I had poured into my bride and into her life, what happened is she looked at me and she said, yeah, I'm okay with it, knowing the time commitment that it was going to take away from me. So did I ultimately lose everything in my life? No. But my bride saw that I was giving it all for her because I loved her. And so I pray that people see in our relationship, and I pray that people see in your relationship, the love of the Father, an unconditional love of the Father. So let me go back to the covenant. Let's go back to the new covenant. What does Jesus say in Matthew 26, 26 through 28? We share it all the time whenever we go to the Lord's Prayer, or not the Lord's Prayer, to communion. It says in Matthew 26, and I'll... Flip over here. There it is. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. I'm at the wrong verse. It's on down. I apologize. I must have given you the wrong verse. In Matthew 26, over in verse 26, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat, for this is my body. And when he had given them the cup, he gave thanks, and saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out, For the forgiveness of sins. I believe that in that moment when Jesus was taken of that cup. He sat there and he said. I love you. Will you marry me? Will you give your life to me as I give my life to you? And I believe that the other side of that was at the point of salvation for me. As a young kid when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I said yes Lord I give you my life. Yes, Lord, I will be the bride of Christ. I give you my life. So let me ask you something. And I just began to weep over this over and over and over as I was preparing this message. But I can't even fathom the pain. And I've walked people through different pains of of where a husband or a wife has done things selflessly, selfishly in marriage. And I began to realize that when I fall into sin, that it's the same thing before my Heavenly Father. If He's my husband, and when I say that, He is the husband of the bride of Christ, and me being the bride of Christ, when I walk into sin, as I shared at the very beginning, I began to realize the pain and the hurt of what that would be like. Think about the prodigal son and the father. As the son walks off, as he leaves, as he runs away and takes everything, and then as he returns, the father's love because his son had come home. So let me ask you something. Do people see the love of Christ in your marriage? Wives, the way that you love your husband and support them and come 
and submit unto them, not out of, out of obligation or them pushing you down, but because you know that they're going to put your best interest in mind. Do people see the bride of Christ submitting to the King of kings and Lord of lords? Husbands, do people see the unconditional agape love of the Father by the way that you love your wife unconditionally? And then let me ask you this question. Do people see that the way that you communicate with your bride or even with the people around you, the way that you communicate, you mean what you say and you say what you mean. Do they realize that you are a man of, that, that you go and, and you seek the Lord and you communicate with the King? Does your marriage truly represent the relationship of Christ in the church? As I close here today in just a minute, the Lord's really put on my heart this. I don't believe that we need to renew our marriage vows. I'm not a big fan of, of rededication because you can't dedicate something that's already been dedicated. But what I do believe is that we need to go back and say that I want to live a selfless life with the foundation of Jesus Christ and follow the vows that I spoke to my husband or to my wife. And so I want to challenge you this morning. If you're sitting here and you're saying, I haven't loved my bride the way I'm supposed to. I haven't communicated the way I should. I haven't done these things. Then I challenge you this morning, right here in just a minute, that you would look to your bride and that you would ask and seek forgiveness. Husbands, as a leader of the household, I think it starts with you. Wives, if you sit there and, and listen, Genesis chapter 3 goes back and it says that, that, that women will try, the, the woman will try to overtake the, the, the man. It says that in the scriptures in, in Genesis 3. If, if that's been the case where, where you've not been willing just to step back and say, listen, I'm going to let you lead me as a man of God, taking me to the cross every day, then today, let today be a day where you say, listen, will you forgive me? But greater than all of this, even though those are things that we need to lay down today, we need to begin to pray for our marriages. Why? Because the evil one is attacking them left and right. And let me tell you why he's attacking them. Because they represent Christ in the church. If, you're mar if the marriage is broken in our society... And, and all these attacks about what it means to be married and who you can marry and all these different things. Satan wants to attack it left and right. Why? Because the more he attacks it, the more he distorts how Christ and the church looks. And I'm tired of it. I believe that we need to begin to pour into our marriages. I believe on my own personal level that I can't get up here and preach if things between me and my bride are not right. I believe that I can't get up here and share the truth of the gospel if I'm sitting there and I am arguing with my bride. And isn't it interesting? It didn't happen this morning. But isn't it interesting? So often on Sunday mornings that it seems like the, the, Satan comes after us harder and harder on Sunday mornings. As a pastor, it feels like it's even more on Sunday mornings. Why? Because he wants us to have discord between our, our wife or our husband. So that whenever we get up there, we're not ready to truly preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our marriage is a direct representation of Christ in the church. Jesus poured out his blood for us. Men, will you love your wife that same way? We're going to go to the Lord here in prayer in just a second. And I just challenge you. I don't know where you are in your marriage. 
I don't know how things are going, but I would challenge you right now, even if you feel like, hey, there's nothing that I need to take care of, there's nothing that we, then, then I would challenge you just to look and just, just pray with your bride. And just ask the Lord to bless this marriage and to ask the Lord that people will see Jesus in the way that you love your wife and the way you love your husband.